let's take a major step back to invest in some real machine learning around A, an understanding of the guest journey, uh, and B, the ability to then allow hotels to market such that they're personalizing or nurturing every single guest journey. Welcome to the second season of The Modern Hotelier, the fastest growing hospitality podcast. Both hosts were named top 100 most powerful people in hospitality and voted fourth most popular podcast by the International Hospitality Institute. Each episode, we'll get to know an industry expert and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, the modern hotelier. Welcome to the modern hotelier. I'm your host, David Malilli. I'm your co-host, Steve Karen. And I'm the producer, John Boomhofer. This week's episode is sponsored by the SHR Group. SHR Group is the leading global specialist technology and service provider to the hotel sector with a mission to ensure that their clients remain always ahead in a fast-paced and competitive market. SHR's Allura Technology Suite is made up of their integrated and automated products and services that harness the power of AI. Whether it's Allura CRS, IBE, CRM, or RMS, SHR's product suite enables independent hotels and regional brands to increase revenue and customer lifetime value at every step in the guest journey. Their approach to developing deeply integrated cloud-based software built with an API-first approach has enabled more than 2,000 hotels across the globe to deliver scalable, brand-led guest experiences that can be adapted and customized to support each hotel's context and strategy. To find out more, visit shrgroup.com. Steve, who do we have on the program today? Yeah, David, today we have on Frank Reeves. Frank has acquired a reputation of being one of the most innovative travel technology folks in the industry. Since co-founding hotel technology company Avio in 2002, Frank has developed cutting-edge technologies that enable outstanding growth in hotel direct bookings while reducing dependence on online travel agents. Currently, Frank is the Chief Evangelist Officer at the SHR Group. Welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Frank. So today, we're going to go through three areas. We're going to ask you some quick lightning round type questions, get to know your background around your career, and then get into some industry topics. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So let's get it started. So what was the worst job you've ever had? This is an easy one, actually. I think I was 13, maybe 14, but I'm from Ireland. And on the west coast of Ireland, there's a beautiful seaside town called Kilkee. And I took a job working in a bingo hall. Uh, quite a seedy bingo hall. And what made it the worst job was the the owner proprietor who was just a bit of a sleazy guy and liked to sort of take advantage of, you know, shortchanging some of the elderly bingo hall players who was not sleazy, however, was his daughter who I, <laughs> I had my eye on and uh, it all worked out well in the end. So are you a morning or a night person? I'm a morning. I'm like a circa 5am, one of those guys. So if you had to delete all the apps off of your phone and you could only keep three, what three apps would you keep? I'm a big YouTube guy, so I think YouTube. I use that far more than I should. Um, podcast music, so Spotify, I guess, for both. And pro- I've got two young boys, so I'd probably have to figure out some common denominator, common denominator kids game to keep huh. them both happy. So <laughs> that'd be my three. That sounds good. What's the <laughs> emoji that you use the most? Fist bump. What's your favorite song? Favorite song? Um, there's a group called LCD Sound System. I like most of their stuff, but they've got a really cool tune called All My Friends. Really upbeat, kind of picks you up, gets your energy going. 
Do you have a favorite restaurant? I have many favorite restaurants. <laughs> I, uh, I mentioned I'm, I'm from Ireland, but I live in London. And my favorite restaurant in London is it's actually also the oldest restaurant in London called Rules or Rules of London in Covent Garden. Quintessentially British fare. I don't think you can have a meal like you can eat in Rules anywhere else in the world. They're very famous for their game. Uh, and again, like ingredients and the very best of ingredients and cooking techniques for a game that, again, I don't think you can really get that kind of a meal outside of London, outside of Rules. So yeah, Rules of London. So if you had your own talk show, who would your first guest be? You can pick anyone, dead or alive. Dead or alive, okay. First guest. But with a marketing hat on, Trump for ratings and only for ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the audience, I'll get the eyeballs, and then I could follow up with who I really want, right? So who I would really want would probably be Norm MacDonald, the comedian that's sadly passed away. You're like, just for me, genius far smarter than he let on but like just hilarious so yeah i love norm i agree i mean he i mean the whole joke reading thing was was hilarious his his, <laughs> his uh podcast yeah. all right so you have a time machine you can go into the future or into the past which way are you going and what year are you going to i'll go backwards i think um the moon landing nice and was that was that 69 68 69 something like that Around, um, yeah. Before my time, but um, yeah, I think the moon landing, there was so much about that. I mean, I wished I lived back then, but I think maybe that the single biggest positive event that brought most of the world sort of together, feeling, you know, objective and big thinking around. So yeah, I think that, that, that must have been such an incredible time for the world, most of the world to feel very united and excited and positive about where things were going. So moon landing. Awesome. That was great, Frank. So now uh, we'll learn a little bit more about your background, what makes you take things like that. So you grew up in Limerick, Ireland. Is that correct? I did indeed. Yes. How did that shape you into who you are today? So, I mean, Limerick, Limerick is great. It's, on the, it's not quite on the west coast of Ireland, but it's, it's, it's far enough west to, to, to be touching distance. And I think looking back at it, what's maybe important about Limerick, and maybe this is true of most Irish towns, but super grounded, you know, you can never, you can never get ahead of yourself, right? So I think, I think, yeah, Limerick's a very grounded place. But then I think also the West, in particular, the West of Ireland is also puts things in perspective. So I think, you know, both people and place, if, if I think about being grounded in Ireland the way I do, I think of it as people and place. So I think, I think, yeah, just keeping, keeping everything on the level. Have you ever heard of Karen, Ireland? It's like an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half from Limerick. Karen, C-A-R-R-A-N. Oh, Karen. Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's, yeah. In that's, Burn, I think, right? yeah. that's where I'm from. That's my, where oh, my no last way. name what? comes from. So have you ever been? I have. It's, if it's the place I'm thinking of in the Burn, then yes. I mean, that's again, toward the West and one of the yeah. places I love the most. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a bucket place. <laughs> no, I got to cool. go. So <laughs> let me know. So you went to the University of Limerick. What was the area you studied and what really kind of got you interested in that area? So I studied a course called ITT, so Information Technology and Telecommunications. I've always loved computing, programming, goofing around, gaming, you know, Commodore 64. I sort of, those were real formative years for me, dabbling in that sort of stuff. What I, what I loved and really wanted to do in college was, was computer programming. I think I slightly chose the wrong course. I should have leaned more toward computer engineering, was less interested in the global satellite telephony system than I was programming. But yeah, went, went, went there, did ITT, went on to intern with New York Life on Madison Avenue, which has had a fantastic 10, 11 months there, and really sort of doubled down on 
some of the concepts around system administration, network administration, and programming around sort of server uptime and, and network performance. Very cool. Now we'll get into your career a little bit more. So after you graduated from the University of Limerick, what type of jobs did you work? I only had the one, actually, after college. So I went, as I mentioned, I was in New York for intern and then came back to do finish my final, final year in university uh, in Limerick and then went to Dublin to work with Sun Microsystems. Um, it's a big, big American dot-com company. So yeah, again, was a programmer for those guys for about three years. And if I'm honest, the last 12 months of that, were probably spending most of my time distracted by the early days of, of Avio and probably using, using their Wi-Fi and their network to do some better programming <laughs> and uh, server management than I could do at home. That's great. That's great. So what, what led you to found in 2002 Avio? What, what, what drove you to that? So we were, we were a team of three co-founders, um, myself, my brother, and another guy called David. And Brian and David were, were really kicking about various ideas, looking to get something up and running, and nothing was really sticking. And they eventually brought me into that conversation, which allowed us to kind of talk about programming, because that was what I, I guess, brought to the table. So my contribution, I guess, was, hey, well, we can, you know, we, if we're going to program something, let's program the in, around the internet, right? So, and Ireland was and still is world famous, I think, for the caliber and quality of hospitality both in terms of the product, but also the people and just the, the all-around brand. So we thought, well, okay, let's, let's think about the internet. Let's think about travel. And we went with very little credibility. We went knocking on the door of the, the beautiful five-star Dromoland Castle Hotel, which is just outside Limerick City. So our closest and you know, first sort of um, pitch, if you like. And the pitch was really about, hey, look, we think the internet's going to be pretty big. Um, we think you're going to need booking functionality on your website. And hey, if Frank builds something, would you guys use it? And if you use it and you're happy, can we reference you? And that was it. We went live, I think, late 2001. And by 2002, I quit my job, moved back from Limerick to Dublin. And we were, we were up and running as the first hotel website booking engine in the Irish market. That's awesome. And in 2017, Avio was the first company in the world with a fully guest-centric booking platform powered by AI. What really caused you to focus on AI? Kind of now it's a buzzword, but this was five years ago before, you know, it was, it was kind of a mainstream thing. It was quite, yeah, thanks, Steve. It was quite a leap of faith, but we were, you know, for the sort of the 13, 14 years, we were continuing to sort of evolve the booking engine with, you know, every possible feature that that we thought was important for the hotel website as they compete with OTAs, right? How do we make the direct channel bigger, better, faster growing? And we would just develop more and more features that either we thought of or hotels thought of. But we re- the step change for us really came in probably 2015, where we thought, well, you know, we're still, we're still just stuck in this paradigm of like a plug-in system to the hotel website. And we're going to deliver a great booking experience, but we're just going to do the same thing to every single guest. And as we looked then around at what was happening with, you know, Amazon, Google, YouTube, Netflix, we're like, these guys personalize, right? These guys seem to be aware of who they're dealing with, who the guest is or who the user is in real time. So we took time out and said, okay, let's continue to expand the platform with features and benefits, of course, but let's take a major step back to invest in, some real machine learning around A, an understanding of the guest journey, uh, and B, the ability to then allow hotels to market such that they're personalizing or nurturing every single guest journey. So we launched the Allura.ai platform, which is really this sort of hospitality AI that's set above the booking engine 
making the booking engine smarter and capable of nurturing every single guest journey. So in November of last year, there was the merger with SHR. So tell us why that was the right fit and what was that process like? Because sometimes those processes can be very easy and very painful. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a great, really great outcome. I've known Rodrigo Jimenez um, and the SHR team for a very long time. I think we met at, Rod and I met at ITB maybe eight, nine years ago or something and spent some time together. And we've been sort of almost mutually flirting with one another since then, just recognizing this these huge, strong synergies, both in the SHR platform around distribution and then more recently, CRM and revenue management system and robotic process automation, all that amazing stuff that they had. But what I'd really, I, I think, fallen for over the years was also the culture that they built at SHR. It just felt like a very natural sort of partner, if you like, for us. So what happened then last year was our Avio private equity firm out of London had been with us for six, seven years. Company was doing really well. And they thought, hey, this is a great time for an exit. So um, Avio was sort of brought to the market looking for a replacement investor. But at the same time, of course, the firm that we had run that process wanted to reach out to Strategic. So, you know, I made sure that Rod was aware of what was going on. And um, with the backing and encouragement of Serent out of California, we were able to, I think, realize the, the true synergy between both companies, which was like, let's just both get under one roof as soon as possible. No, it's a great, it's a great fit. That's awesome. And one thing you mentioned was a culture. Can you talk more about, you know, the unique culture that's, that's at the SHR group right now? Yeah, we, we have, we had very similar values actually. And we, we use similar terminology, even around the obsession we have around delivering for hotels. You know, we, we were, I think both companies trying to compete in different ways and slightly different sort of uh, segments of the, of the tech stack, but we had this shared obsession with driving performance for our customers and really delivering competitive advantage. So between that and a real sort of down-to-earth startup kind of vibe and culture, I think that that sort of the agility and flexibility and dynamism that comes with that, together with just wonderful people and a shared obsession with, let's just make a difference. Let's deliver competitive advantage above everything. You know, it's not tech for tech's sake. It's not innovation for innovation's sake. All that stuff is downstream of real customer focus and a real culture around sort of, you know, passion, flexibility, and probably hustle. Sure, sure. And it seems like Rod kind of embodies that culture and the culture really starts with him and kind of flows down towards the rest of the company. So true. And I think we we, we never doubted for one second what the, what the org structure should be. I, I've been... I think for a long time, sort of leading the Avio brand in the market with sort of, you know, thought leadership and presentations and, and, and a lot of that sort of stuff. So the, the role I really wanted in the, the new sort of combined uh, merged company was a role that would have me in the market, continuing to sort of expand on what was the right fit for SHR group in the market. What is, where's the market going? How can we think one or two steps ahead uh, and being kind of on the ground close to hotel operators themselves? Absolutely. Coming on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So give us a little insight. What's next for the SHR group? So what's, what's happened, I guess, since, um, since November last year is we've taken this concept of the, the hospitality AI that we started in, in Avio called Allura.ai. And we, we sort of, Rod and I had this agreement that lots of technology is now integrating, right? There are APIs, open APIs. Everyone is sort of capable now of connecting with everybody else. That wasn't really the case back in the day. But how do we overcome the issue that 
you know, you've still got sort of siloed products, right? You've got CRM that does CRM. You've got a booking engine that does it, its bit. You've got, you know, a marketing focus over here, a revenue management over here. But what if we take this idea of, you know, a strategic integration across a, a, a powerful platform of technology products, but then going one step further to the to point that all of these sort of products would be informed and enhanced by this hospitality AI. So that if the CRM is really designed with, you know, in part, almost the website in mind and the booking engine in mind, what sort of outcomes, what business outcomes can we deliver for hotels that will, you know, otherwise be unrecognizable and that should really propel them forward? That is awesome. Can't wait to see more. So now we're going to move into the in, your industry thoughts, which I'm really excited to pick your brain on a few things. So with the evolution of the guest experience, how has the thought process behind the guest journey changed? And what's causing that change? I think there's been a huge change, but I think hotels is probably the single biggest gap that I find when I speak with um with uh, you know prospective SHR customers in the market, and that gap is is around sort of an adherence on the part of hoteliers to this idea of, I mean, it has many different labels if you like. Look to book would be one, website conversion rate would be another, but this idea that you know a visitor is on your website, a guest potential guest is on your website, and they either book or they don't, and that represents either a conversion or perhaps abandonment. What we learned very, very quickly after launching Allura in 2017 is what really happens around the guest journey, and the guest journey takes time. So what actually happens, I mean, I'll give you an example, even looking at the data for this summer just been in London. We had all of about one week of summer in London this year. But um, as, as we looked at the market segment of North American families coming to London, we saw that it's taking five days for those visitors, for those guests to go about their booking decision. So five days from the first time they land on a hotel website, they'll go away. They'll do some stuff. They'll go away. They'll come back. They'll do some more stuff. They'll go away. And maybe three, four times and perhaps 20 minutes of brand engagement over the course of those five days. So this idea, this concept of look to book or a conversion funnel, you know, it's like when we see Steve for the first time on Monday and he spends five minutes on a hotel website and then goes away, you know what? That's actually quite normal. We shouldn't fight that. That's not abandonment, right? Steve's had a beautiful first impression. He's seen all of our key messages. We've helped to personalize around who Steve is and what he wants and bridge that gap between how this hotel is the perfect hotel for Steve and his family, perhaps. And we should let Steve go away. We should be confident that, you know, he's not ready. He's at an early stage of his booking intent. Let Steve go, let him come back. We certainly shouldn't be just sort of delivering up a brochure website that kind of shouts, book directed everybody. And if Steve doesn't book on day one right there and then, we give him this like crazy pop-up that says, hey, don't go anywhere. Here's 10, 15, 20, you name it, right? Here's a discount. Because that's just not how guests go about travel booking. And the farther away the guest is and the more people they're booking for, like families, for example, the more that consideration time just naturally is. And, and you know, hotels, I think, are really still, as I mentioned earlier, they're stuck in this traditional paradigm of look to book. You know, they'll count Steve five times when it's Steve, you know, it's just one guest, right? So yeah, brochure websites and traditional conversion, I think, is the is the major barrier. We now, I guess, are at a point where we just have a far better understanding of how guests engage and who we're dealing with in real time. And I think within that is a significant opportunity for hotels to to step out of the the brochure 
as a brand.com strategy. And, you know, OTA has been doing this as well, right? Netflix, everybody, everyone who's serious about e-commerce has been personalizing and sort of leaning in with recommender engine and sort of nurture programs for a long time. But hotels, I think, are still very much stuck there. You maybe explain how does that, or is it something that you guys are working on? How does that data through the guest journey work with the CRM and, and knowing that guests to either market back to them or how to handle a repeat guest? How do they, and we both know how the, a lot of systems are just not connected. So how does, how does that work for you guys at this HR? Well, I guess that's, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a really great example of what's possible now within this sort of this enhanced hospitality platform that has guest journey and, you know, hospitality AI at the real core of it. So if you think about the way SHR see that guest journey is, A, we'll understand, if you think of brand.com, we'll understand where that guest has come from, right? Are they coming from Google or are they coming from a meta search campaign? For example, have they been here before? Uh, and if so, what have they done? So I mentioned North American families might give 15 or 20 minutes worth of sort of on-site sort of data fingerprint to us. So all of those things, of course, we can't communicate that with a PMS. When we write the booking to a PMS, we're just saying, you know, Steve booked and here's Steve's contact details. But actually, we've got 20 minutes of information on Steve that we would love to communicate so that the hotels can pick that up and do more with. But yeah, I mean, Alora understands how Steve has navigated, what Steve is interested in, not just to the point of booking, but that, you know, Steve's also been really engaged with the dining options of the hotel, but not yet booked the dining packages. So maybe post booking. CRM can kind of lean into what we know are relevant, valid interests for Steve. And that can be incredibly useful for the purposes, obviously, of upselling, cross-selling, but also booking retention and cancellation is a real focus now. Cancellation prediction is another major focus of our Allura platform at the moment. Uh, and sometimes that, that enhanced ongoing nurture around the guests, even post-booking, can be one of the very effective things at reducing sort of booking infidelity or you know, reducing cancellations. Yeah, I just wanted to talk, you know, experiences are, you know, that's becoming more and more part of the guest experience, right? You know, you mentioned, you know, the dining options, you get to see that during the booking process that they're excited maybe about dining, you know, experiences as well. Does that play into it? If, you know, I've looked at an experience, a brewery tour, a hyper local, you know, experience, does that save that as well? So, you know, I check in and you'll see, oh, I looked at that or even through the check-in process. Exactly. So one of the things that we developed into the Allura platform was this contextual understanding of all of the content on a hotel website. So Allura will just natively understand the content you've been consuming, how much you've been consuming that content. So almost as sort of your decision-making criteria, you know, what are, your, what, are, what are the real factors that are important for you? So to the extent, I should clarify, we, we, Allura can only see the content on your hotel website, right? So it's first-party cookie, private data, cookie consent opt-in data. So as long as you've got content on your hotel website that Allura can then sort of make connections between the guests and that content, then absolutely that all becomes part of this far richer understanding of who this guest is, which can be useful for personalizing the booking, but also post-booking or even post-stay, right? Again, think 20 minutes to guess. And this is sort of one of the frustrating things because hotels just ignore this data today. It's on their website, but they think in terms of 200 visitors, two bookings, you know, that's a 1% conversion rate for Monday. And they're sort of stuck there. And it's very hard. You know, you can, yes, you can buy more traffic, but hey, traffic's expensive, right? You can buy more traffic. You can try and tweak your booking engine. But if you still through, see the world through the paradigm of visitors and bookers rather than actual connected real people that are on unique journeys and need to see and consume unique content, 
I think it's very difficult to, to, to deliver a step change in the performance of the direct channel without that. When I left the hotel side and started my first company in 2000, it was a booking engine. So for me, whenever I, we, I get to talk about booking engines or listen to booking engines, obviously that was a long time ago. So with that, the guest journey, what are some of the, you touched on some of them, but what should hotels be looking at as far as, you know, KPIs and making sure that they are leveraging, you know, cause you, you hit it on it. You hit on a perfect, there is all this great data, but unless you do something with it, or the system does something with it, it's just there. So what are some examples? So I think, I think the KPIs are, are also broken because they serve the old paradigm and not the, not the actual sort of guest journey, if you like. So website conversion rate, you know, the 100 visitors, two bookings, 2% conversion rate tells you nothing, really. You can really not build any strategy on top of that. But then I mentioned earlier the idea that abandonment, you know, we see Steve for the first time on Monday, he spends five minutes, beautiful first impression, goes away hey, guess what? That's not abandonment. So let's not consider the abandonment stat in its traditional sort of design to be all that valid either. I think that what, what you ought to think about is, again, back to the North American family coming to London this summer, five-day guest journey, maybe 20 minutes of engagement time in some cases. So what we do get during the earlier stage of those guest journeys is we get a sales pipeline, Right. Steve isn't, you know, Steve is still very much an active sales lead beyond Monday. And Steve may tell us on Monday what his dates are. And, you know, we can either try and bring him back in through remarketing if he doesn't come back in the expected period of time. Or when Steve comes back, we know exactly how to resume the conversation with Steve. But I think the idea that your website isn't just a look to book conversion funnel, it's actually a sales pipeline of active leads. You know, there are London hotels today sitting on an active pipeline of website leads of, you know, 10 million plus pounds. Right. That's the data that is sitting on the website that can be immediately used the next time those guests come back. So I think that's a pretty important step change in KPI. So booking conversion, sales pipeline or guest pipeline. And of course, you can break guest pipeline down into, well, if you've got a sales pipeline of 10 million, you know, does 80% of that come from domestic couples or international families? So who are we talking about? And then how do we lean in to nurture those specific segments of that pipeline? But the final thing, David, I think on this is that, and we really were, we were quite blind to this um, early on. We were, we were building a booking engine, and we've always had a very strong performance focus. So we used to guarantee pre-COVID, we used to guarantee 25% uplift in direct bookings for every hotel that switched to what was then the Avio booking engine. We were so confident that, you know, everybody says they have the booking engine, but we knew, we knew our value was like. So we had that guarantee, and, and we were still focused on the booking transaction. And there was a gap there because, you know, this only matters when the guest turns up. And what we've seen through COVID is just how much this and other industries have leaned into flexibility around cancellation terms and cancellation policies. So whilst we used to have this, wear this hat of booking acquisition, we now wear the hat of guest acquisition. And I think that's an important gap for hotels because, you know, you could be sitting on a 20 to 30% cancellation rate on your direct bookings. And what that means in sort of in relatively lazy terms is that, well, you know, 20% plus of your digital marketing budget that generates bookings, those people don't turn up, right? So there are KPIs in digital marketing around return on investment or cost per acquisition that also need to be viewed through the lens of guest acquisition rather than booking acquisition. And the reason we focus on that now is that we've turned Allura's attention to sort of this science of assessing cancellation risk per guest, right? If it normally takes five days and 20 minutes of engagement, and here comes 
here comes David with like two visits in two minutes. And, you know, there's maybe 60 days post-booking to the arrival, the lead-in time. And think about revenue management. How many times do revenue managers change their rates? And so does the competition. So just how much does the market change, right? And, you know, you've shopped the OTAs, you've shopped the competitors. So it's still, you're still a very active prospect. You know, we, we call it sort of booking infidelity in some cases, but, you know, whilst in the PMS, Steve and David's bookings may look identical, but to Alora, it's like, no, I've got a really brand invested guest here. And does that correlate in certain conditions to more loyalty around the booking? We generally find that it does, but there are other factors to it as well that help us really sort of assess in a dynamic way, the cancellation risk for every guest. And then of course we can lean in again, you mentioned CRM. That's another way that we can lean in and try and retain a guest that we might feel is a high value and be high risk of cancellation. We have to, we have to go the full, the full extent of the, 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 the journey to ensure that the guest turns up and spends money. Yeah. So what, what's driven me crazy. And I want to talk to you about this because I think it's important when booking engines first came out, the natural place to get inventory was through the CRS. So that's why all the CRSs are the booking engines, but it's, it feels like hotels just, and the, the CRS has just treated the guest in serving them up as if the guest was calling a travel agent. So all these rate categories, all these room types, when you talk about personalization, what do you think are other mistakes that kind of the more traditional booking engines, I won't name the competitors, but they, they haven't changed some of them in a, in a decade and they're still not taking the OTA, OTA approach, which is kind of keep it simple, serve up some simple rate plans and room types. And you go to some of the branded websites and you're getting 14 room categories and 10 rate plans. And it's just overwhelming. Completely overwhelming. And also, I've not seen, I've not seen another hotel, excluding the ones that we work with, that gives me the experience of after I book, if I book the hotel on a Monday via brand.com and I go back on the Tuesday, I'm still getting book direct every single time. And that I think comes from the booking engine's broken understanding of who this guest is and where they are in their journey. So it's just a complete disconnect, right? That's just the concept is I've got a brochure website and I'm going to plug a booking engine in there. And that's my strategy, right? I'm going to do, design my site around the lowest common denominator, all that content's there. And everyone is just going to get that. That's what I'm saying to the world. I hope you find what you need, book direct. And how infuriating, right? Because the OTAs don't do that. You book on booking.com and then they're telling you all about the other stuff you can do when you go to San Francisco. And, and that's just very natural, right? And it's, it's far more like online hospitality. So I do think that's the single biggest gap, if you like, in the market. The traditional booking engines, what, I'm, what I've seen is, whether it's CRS or PMS or even just IBE, I still see them designed around that funnel, which is fundamentally designed around a one-size-fits-all approach. And I think that's just... It's very difficult to deliver growth. You know, how do you deliver a growth from that? It's not about just small little tweaks. And we're all mobile optimized. We all do that stuff. We've been doing that forever. But you're not really going to move the needle very much unless you make that entire experience about the guest. And we're all different. And hotels love that. I mean, tone of voice. You know, we talk to hotels now about, well, how do you want to talk to like a North American family? And how is that different from, you know, a domestic couple coming from maybe Manchester to London or whatever it might be? And hotels love that. They're hospitality people. And we've given them this opportunity now to just sort of, you know, to deliver that amazing brand experience. That's great. And so we talked about booking engine, CRM. So maybe to the hoteliers that are listening, maybe explain how digital marketing is important to driving growth. And why is it important for hoteliers to try to 
not just rely on their vendor, but also understand the digital marketing side of things. Yeah. So we've been, if I go back to 2002, we probably had 12 months of just pure booking engine and hotels came to us and said, look, you gotta, you gotta help us. It's a, you guys gotta do digital. You gotta do design because you know, we, you seem to understand our business. You're designing software for us. You've got to understand more about what we do because it's all a connected ecosystem. You know, the website is the booking engine, David, to be honest with you. Those things shouldn't, shouldn't be distinct. Is there two Netflixes and two Amazons? And it's all, it's just one, right? So if we think about it as, you know, the acquisition of, of guests through digital or social or TikTok, whatever it may be, meta search, the acquisition of, of guests at the very top of the funnel, all the way through that guest experience of your brand, because it's all brand experience. That is one, it should be one connected ecosystem where everything talks to everything else. Again, I think the single biggest change, and it's a psychological sort of step change that hotels could take is re-looking at their digital marketing metrics on the basis of guest acquisition, not just booking acquisition. You know, because what you'll find is, okay, well, we did this campaign and we got like loads of bookings, but actually, wait, like 20% more of those bookings canceled than this campaign. Like, does that campaign actually deliver the right guests? Yes, it delivered bookings, but like no commitment, 24-hour cancellation, right? And it's very easy for hotels. Google tends not to be able to show you that stuff, but we've connected up our tech in such a way that we can sort of track from the campaign all the way through uh, the guest acquisition piece. And I think hotels can, can start to ask more interesting questions when they seek out that sort of data around cost of guest acquisition rather than cost of booking acquisition. Absolutely. That was great. So we're done with our questions on our end, but our producer, John, has been listening in. So I'm going to kick it over to John. Listening to you talk about all this stuff, it's kind of over my head. I'm not really in that world, but it, you know, the, I know the hospitality landscape is pretty complex with a lot of moving parts. You have to connect a lot of dots when you're building something like this that's going to benefit um, hoteliers. How do you like what helps you connect those dots and just be aware of what people need? How do you go about learning about pe- what people need and connecting the dots in a way that's helpful for others? Thanks, John. That's a, that's a great question. I think it is. We're all, we're all so close to it that I do forget sometimes that it is, it is confusing and sort of interconnected. We have over 2,000 hotels around the world, right, between Avio and sort of SHR. So we're, we're we're servicing hotels all over the globe of different, you know, from independents to, to, to chains. And it's not at all unusual for two hotels to connect things up in a totally different way. So we've got a platform on, within Allura. We've got a platform of amazing tools from distribution to CRM to digital marketing, content management system, booking engine, obviously. Some hotels will take multiple products. And we like to think that, you know, one plus one equals three plus another one equals five and nine, et cetera. But hotels should connect things up the way that's most sensible for them. So whether that's the IBE connected directly to the PMS or perhaps through a CRS or, you know, even a channel manager, what we strive to do is, is have this Allura intelligence always sort of connected regardless of how many components a hotel wants to use. But, you know, ultimately hotels don't want to be manually, manually managing things. We want to get the guest obviously connected directly to the hotel. The Allura platform is where all that sort of guest communication, guest marketing, because the website is a marketing platform. Ever before it's a sales platform, it's a marketing platform. So, you know, your PMS will have a room description, but, you know, your IBE will know who that room description is being delivered to. And Gen AI and all this other stuff that we could have, we could have spoken about. 
you know, we've got the ability to, to say, well, we're now going to deliver this message to this kind of guest. So I think all that stuff sits in the Allura platform, connected up in whatever way makes most sense to the hotel. All those connections are there. But I do think when, when a hotel is choosing relationships and choosing, because hotels shouldn't be going out there looking for AI, right? It's all very confusing. You don't want AI. You want the benefits of AI. And you want tangible benefits of AI. I think you want to choose vendors that are thinking in a more open ecosystem sort of way. Not just about, yes, I can connect A to B, but why should I connect A to B? What should those outcomes be that serve the hotel? And, you know, we all sort of overlap with one another in many different ways. But let's just sort of, let's get around innovative solutions that really deliver and keep customers always ahead. That's excellent. So that does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier. But at this point, we would like you, Frank, to let us know how people can either get in touch with you, how can they find out more about the SHR Group. So plug away. Thank you. Uh, very straightforward, shrgroup.com or allura.ai, A-L-L-O-R-A.ai, but one will, one will link you to the other. Those sites are just crammed with examples and testimonials, and it's all about results at the end of the day. So some of this might, might sound good, but I think you, know, you always got to sort of get out there and, and, and sort of listen to, to what the real results are in the industry, and you'll get all that content on shrgroup.com. And I'm just frank at .reeves at shrgroup.com. Great. Thank you so much. Well, that was a lot of fun. That does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier. We hope to see everyone again soon. Thank you, Frank. This week's episode is sponsored by the SHR Group. SHR Group is the leading global specialist technology and service provider to the hotel sector with a mission to ensure that their clients remain always ahead in a fast-paced and competitive market. SHR's Allura Technology Suite is made up of their integrated and automated products and services that harness the power of AI. Whether it's Allura CRS, IBE, CRM, or RMS, SHR's product suite enables independent hotels and regional brands to increase revenue and customer lifetime value at every step in the guest journey. Their approach to developing deeply integrated cloud-based software built with an API-first approach has enabled more than 2,000 hotels across the globe to deliver scalable, brand-led guest experiences that can be adapted and customized to support each hotel's context and strategy. To find out more, visit shrgroup.com. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media. Make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you know of a guest or sponsor that would be a good fit, feel free to email us at hello at themodernhotelier.com. Thanks and have a great day.